Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome back to Twin Cities by Night and our third story arc, Dread. Dread is set in the Twin Cities of Minnesota, Minneapolis, and St. Paul in the hot and humid summer of 2011. Join us again and continue to follow the journey of Katow, played by Quinn, and William, played by Slavic, as they continue to traverse the dark society held within the Twin Cities. They will be joined by three new kindred, Warren, a Tremere, played by Adam, Valentine, a Nosferatu, played by Alex, and Lenny, a Nosferatu, played by Andrew. The Coterie will find themselves joined together by a sense of dread. If you would like to contact us, you can follow us on Twitter at twin underscore cities underscore VTM or Facebook at Twin Cities by Night. We hope you enjoy. Katal, you're standing there, racked with the guilt of what you just did. What is going on in your mind right now? You know, after you cut those ears off and threw them on the ground and you're standing there looking down at this, like, woman now who's starting not only to go into mental but physical shock as she's, like, sitting there. It definitely is giving, it's like, it's giving him a bit of a sour taste in his mouth, and and that he's like, even though he knows he shouldn't really feel anything for these people, it's just like it doesn't really sit well with him that he's doing this. And even though he knows, like, part of him is just like saying, "Yeah, I had to do this because I had to send a message that you know don't mess with us, or else there will bad things will happen." But he's just actually having to do it. Just it feels bad. That wave of guilt and that, like you, like you said, this the feeling of bad overcomes you or just kind of like goes through you. You kind of realize there's a couple hours left till dawn comes. Like what you did was a weird like finale to this whole night, to a night that you initiated in a way. So now that you concluded with this, yeah, just turn to the others and be like, "Think they'll survive if we just leave them here?" That seems unlikely. All right. I can take them for you. Yeah, just dump them off someplace that someone someone will find them and they'll get them someplace. It's been a long night. Aren't they always? You can see that again. So when you guys leave, how are you guys leaving? Now there's four of you, two cars. I think Lenny implied that he was going to leave on his own with the two people. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll stay behind with them, make a phone call. What about you... The rest of you three. Now, William, you got your car there. Katal, you got your car there. Warren, uh, what are you guys going to do about Warren? Warren, do you need a ride? Yes, please. Okay, then. Hop in. And then, Katal, are you you're going to drive back to your haven? Yes. Okay. We'll go with Lenny first. Lenny, you see these three slowly walk out, and you're left alone with these two. And there's this uncomfortable tension for them, not for you, as they are going through excruciating pain, but now they're left alone with you. What are you doing? I'm going to call Cole Chosen. Pull out your phone, and you slowly scroll through your numbers, and you find Coach Olsen's number. No, he's on speed dial. He's on speed dial, and you hit the combination for speed dial, and you hear it ring, and you know that at this hour, he's probably at his house, and you hear groggily the phone, like like the when a phone is being taken off the receiver, and it's kind of rattling around, and you just hear it being... The receiver being brought, and you just hear, hello? Um, quick question. I know where we're at, right? Yes, you do. Yep, you're in the fl- you're in the mill district of Minneapolis right now. Yep. But, like, 
like I have a general idea of like oh yeah this yeah. warehouse this area yeah okay so I'm just gonna say that to him like mill district this warehouse this is what it looks like get there now oh yes yeah okay yes yes okay I'll go I'll, I'll go now yes and you just hear like the phone like kind of like trying to find its end and it gets hung up it's about a thirty minute drive for him twenty minutes he speeds because you say and about 20 minutes later you can kind of hear the gravel crunching of a car slowly going into the parking lot now are you going to wait in there for him to come out to you or or come into you or are you going to go out there to him i will i'm going to keep them in sight right and listening and it's looking making sure they're not like neither one of them's trying to like crawl away or run away or anything like that you know just kind of go to the uh, door hold it open you know so that i can like again making sure that like they are always within sight holding the door open kind of turn my head make sure see okay it's him you know gesture for him to come in and then walk back to them are you going to stay unobfuscated or are you going to use obfuscate um i am in full glory so you see his car roll up it's like a lincoln town car kind of an older one like about 10 years old and you see him get out and he's kind of like disheveled a little bit. Like he didn't even like get out of his like pajama pants. You know, he's, he has like a like a spring jacket for the sports training center he's at that has the logo on the front. But his the little bit of hair he still has on his liver spot head is kind of in disarray. And he he's kind of like trying to move as fast as he can. But, you know, like not only due to the age, but the vitae that you have given him, it's kind of like made it harder for him he's not as athletic as he was and so he like gets out the car and he closes it and you see like he has to when he has to walk towards you and he sees you like having the door propped open because you're like kind of standing in the doorway so you can have eyes on little and samantha and eyes on him you see there's a moment where almost like a beat dog he's afraid to like walk in front of you like he gets close to you but he's afraid to like walk between you and the other end of the door you know because of the fear but yet weird adoration that he has for you and he like just kind of like goes up close to you quick slows down and then he just tries to like squirm between you and the door in so oh i don't just hold the door like what like what i did is i walk up open the door when i see him getting out just gesture to him and i just go back inside okay so then come in and open the door so then he you as you as the door closes behind you you hear the door open up and you see him walk into the doorway and there's a moment where he stops and he sees what is in front of him and he looks up at you and then you see there's a moment where he's thinking about asking you a question and then he just he subdues doesn't. it. Yeah, he sub he subdues it and like you just see his mouth like snap shut, his dentures click, and then he like just slowly walks in and he is just waiting to be told. He's just like looking at you and looking at these bodies. You see his eyes are kind of like wide right now as he's and they're conscious, right? right? They're like almost in shock. You can see they're fucked right now. They're barely like you probably wouldn't be able to have a clear conversation with them. Now, they're not like out cold, but they are definitely like eyes are slitted, breathing is slow. They're not dead, but they're definitely like in a world of hurt. And if you were to guess, the only thing that's probably keeping them like even where they're at right now is the Vite that whomever or whatever this Bogdan person is gave to them. So knowing full well that he is stronger than he appears to be because of my own vitae i'm gonna tell him you're gonna help me carry these two to your car and we're gonna drop them off somewhere else in town and there's just a moment where he like nods slowly and he like walks and it's weird it's a weird sight that you see because no matter how 
different you are, especially to your own kind, outward and inward, you're still surrounded by normal reality, right? You know, an old man's an old man. A woman uh, with a baby is probably give birth to be. There's just equations of simplicity that you know are the majority of reality, except for the ex- exceptions that you have seen through being a kindred. So it was almost like a little shocking when you see like this figure who d- who does have a hard time, like kind of like walking a little bit, you know what I mean? Make his way to Samantha and effortlessly like lift her up. You know, like you see him for a second where he gets to her, his back is facing you. Like he's chest to chest with her where he kind of like squats down and he puts his arms underneath her arms and like kind of like does a grip behind her back. And then he like stands up and almost like easily stands her up and her like face kind of like is resting on his shoulder. And you can just see her eyes are like kind of like are shuffling a little bit. And then he just see him like drop his arms a little lower, like around her waist and squat down a little bit more. And then he hikes her up onto her, his shoulder, almost like how you had both her and little when you left the apartment complex. I'll walk over like as he's doing that and lifting her up and I'll just go over to little and just like by the waist, just pick him up, sling him over my shoulder and let's go. As you two walk out of the warehouse and get to his car, he's like, where do you, where do you want them in the back or in the trunk? I want to be able to see him, stick him in the, stick him in the back. He like slowly like opens the door with his left hand and you see him like, step out of the door's way and then he kind of like like kind of j- in a way like finesses he doesn't have much as an easy time as you have but he gets her in the back seat laying in the back seat and when you see him do that you see her eyes closed but you can see like her chest is rising so get in i'm gonna tell him now let's be nice and just drop him off outside of the hospital okay yes and he starts to too call- close now yeah he starts the car and you see like it has one of those shifters that are like on the side of the wheel, you know, and you see his hand like shift it down. When you do it, you look at his hand, you see how like they have liver spots on them and they're real veiny and old. And you see him like, like get it in gear, like pull it down and he like reverses and then he shifts it forward to drive and he drives. And there's this silence that is like emitting from him during this drive. Like he, doesn't want to talk. He doesn't want to ask a question or anything like that. It's almost like he is treating himself right now, like as a outward extension of your will. I'm going to, I'm not going to engage in conversation until after we like just shove them out of a car near a hospital and leave and just take off. Then I have some things to say, but until then it's just going to be this uncomfortable silence. So you guys get to like a block away from twin cities, Memorial hospital to where there's like a, it looks like it might be just like a small, almost like a records building of sorts that's made of like red brick. You can't really make out too much of the details, but it has like this green, like large green lawn that has like a, a street light that is on the corner there that illuminates it. And he stops and you see like he takes one of the bodies out. Are you going to help him take the other body out or are you going to have him do both the bodies? Yeah, I'll help. You both get the bodies out on the grass and lay them there. They're like knocked out at this point. Yeah, they're out by the time just like the soothing, like being able to lay down and the driving, you know what I mean? And then like yeah. just the damage they have, they've gone unconscious and he drives off with you in the passenger seat. 
but right before we leave, you just kind of like turn her head, you know, look at her ears, make sure she's not like bleeding out like completely, you know, she's fine. Yeah, she's, I mean, defined fine, but she's, she'll live, you know, but she's not going to like die laying in the grass or anything like that, but it is not a pretty sight. She's really stressed and just going to leave them there and yeah, boom. And then you guys are driving off and he just, there's a moment for like two minutes where he doesn't say anything. And then finally he's like, where do you want to go? Let's go to your house. I'll find my way away from there. Let's just go back to your home. And in the meantime, tell me about what you found out. I haven't, I haven't got, oh. you see, there's a moment where like he's driving. He's like, I, 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 I haven't found out anything. I, I, I hired someone, but it's only, it hasn't been that long. I had, I can't, I can't, I'm doing what you want me to do. It's just going to take time. Coach, relax, relax. I know. You're not angry at me, are you? No. You know, I'm, I'm changing, yeah, I, right? You're doing really good. I, I am, right? Yeah, I'm doing good. Yeah. You didn't ask any questions. You just did exactly what I said. I told you I could change, right? Yeah, we'll see. Now, I want you to remember this. This is going to be very difficult. This guy, there's there's a lot of things moving around him. You may not find anything at all. Don't be discouraged by that. I don't expect you to come up with much. I wouldn't ask you to do something totally impossible and then punish you for it. I understand, yes. Good. I don't want you to get personally involved yeah, I know. Yeah, I don't. He's dangerous. Okay, but I got you on my side, right? You're you're my protector, right? I'm going to turn and look at him and say, if it comes down to it, I will let you die. There's a moment where, like, he looks straight ahead at the road, and you see him just, like, take his left hand like he's wiping a tear off his left side of his face. That's what you want, isn't it? Yes. You're pathetic. I, I know. I know. you got to have mercy, right? Just quiet and say, for for just like a good like thirty seconds, and just say it's okay. Dying's not that bad. And then as you say that, like he's like pulling up into the front of his like single story rancher that was maybe like a nicer house like in the nineties, you know, but like now is kind of not as sought after as it was during the that time frame. And you know he lives by himself. You know he has like an estranged wife, and he has two kids who, for some reason, like don't talk to him. You maybe have like taken your guesses why, but you don't really know. You never have really confirmed it. Probably never wanted to. And he just stops and he turns off the car, and you hear the engine ticking as you guys are sitting in the driveway. He's like, "What now? Go inside, get some rest, do what I told you to do." Okay. And you see, like, when he gets out of the car, you see him move. And I don't, I don't want to use the term like a pep in his step, but he moves like he knows he avoided. He feels like he avoided something. Like, he was afraid punishment was going to happen. Like, he, when the question started happening, like, you know, it went from he got your, quote, unquote, what he felt was your love to, oh, I didn't do what he needed me to do. And then, like, you're going to his house, and he was just, like, in his head. He was just, like, through the sadness of not, like... He went through an emotional roller coaster. Yes, yes. He just... <laughs> and so, like, when you're just, like, go, and you're not getting out of the car, too, he's just, like, he's out of that car. And he's, like... Going... Oh, well, no, I'm getting out. Like, oh, I'll let... Okay. Yeah, I'm not just okay. sitting there quietly in his car. No, I get out, too. Okay. 
you know, are you going I'm in not... the house? Are you going in the house with him? Or? No, I okay. let him go inside and I'm going okay. to do my thing. Yeah, he gets out and you see him open the screen door, unlocks his door, goes in there, close it. You can even hear like the deadbolt lock. And then you just kind of like are left there in front of his house. You know, that would actually make me kind of like smile a bit at like how pathetic that is. Because yeah, because it won't he stop knows you. It won't, it, yeah. like, if I really wanted to come after him, there's nothing he could do about it. And he's just so terrified of me that like that reaffirms Lenny's uh, just kind of sense of like he feels like he needs to make this guy suffer for everything that he's done. You know, exactly like, that that. Oh, what that feeling he was having where he was thinking, you know, maybe what am I becoming? You know, what's happening to me? He suddenly like, no, this is good. It's a good change. You know, I'm yeah, I'm I'm more cruel. But when it's focused, it's good. Yeah. Like as a storyteller myself, like, obviously, I hate someone like Cole Tolson. Right. And like, obviously, like the dude's a huge piece of shit. We can go into detail about that. But like. I've always been like this weird torn where like, yeah, he is a huge piece of shit, but the, what you, you know what I mean? Like that, like, like it's like that, that torture and that emotional like punishment that you're heaping upon him. It's like, almost like, fuck, when does it become equal in a fucked up? You know what I mean? Like in a way with like him managing your herd. So like, it always like those scenes are always like very powerful to me. Like how you emotionally, just make this man pay for all the pain that he's caused while ignoring like the potential pain for other others or or what you're doing and how you're losing yourself to that vengeance because it yeah. like a lot of people like to play the vengeful character but a lot of people don't like to play the huge negative side effect that like anger and vengeance and 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 pain like that can t- take out on someone you know and it's and it's definitely wearing on lenny yeah and it's 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 a sad thing too because like i said like as a storyteller and i'm sure people listening can attest it's like a huge sense of satisfaction to like see someone like that pay like that but at at what cost and it's like being damned is already horrible enough but then being damned and having that like pushing you down that path even more it's just like it's it's a number man it takes a huge number so yeah and you see him you hear that deadbolt you get that satisfaction i take it you're going back to your uh your haven at this moment yeah we'll cut to warren and william warren and william you guys are driving back to the campus of saint catherine university where warren's haven is at you were actually had been there before william and the negligence hallmark you went there with ophelia to talk to jenna when you guys were seeking seeing if she knew information on the lilith thing and she you guys kind of made that very first deal that put that straw without bugging your head about duncern and you're heading that way right now. We'll just say right now you're actually going over the bridge that crosses the Missouri River to get into St. Paul. Scenes on you guys. Warren, what were you trying to do back there? Draining those two. There's something in Little that I want to know more about. I don't know if it's in her as well. Is this Tremere business? I don't know. But whatever it is, it is not a simple ghouling. I always hate these questions. I am no fan of them either. But whatever it is, it is the same reason that I jumped off of a roof. Uh, Well, you look much better now. Thank you. It's amazing what a shower will do. (laughs) (laughs) Truly. So... 
You want to go back to the Tremere? What time is it? It's like an hour till dawn. You're going to, yeah, it's time to call it a call yeah. it a night. So I probably should. I do not want to push my luck. It's been pushed far enough as is. Mm. Okay. I'll just drop you off then. Thank you. Just say that you drop him off. And William, I take it you're going back to your haven? Probably, yeah. William's probably thinking, like, I should probably call up someone from my herd, but it's really late, so I guess I'll have to do it tomorrow. So, Katow, you're driving, you're leaving the old district, and your phone rings, and you see it's an incoming call from Annabelle. Hello? Katow, Katow, listen to me. Listen to me right now. You cannot go to your haven. Do you understand? I don't know what the fuck you did, Katow, but you, you, they, someone made the decision. You're fucking excommunicated, Katow. You're, you're personal. You're done. Katow, they're cutting you off, Katow. You got to go. I don't know about your friend, William. I don't know what's going on, but you cannot go back to your haven. You got to hide. Listen, I'm going to fucking call you tomorrow. Don't go back to your haven. Do you understand me, Katow? I understand completely. And she hangs up as you're driving. At that point, he's just not Let's stop and pull up, find a place to pull over, and just gonna like. <sighs> At this point, he's gonna call up William. William, you are a block away from your haven right now, and your phone rings, and you see it's Katow's number. You hear the indicator go off over your Dolby surround sound system of your Beamer. Yes. Oh, Katow. I don't know if you. I don't think you should go to your haven tonight. Why I... did something happen? I don't know about you, but I apparently have been excommunicated from our society. Don't know what the hell exactly that means. Well, it means... You know what an anarch is? Yeah, I've heard stories about those guys. We don't really have them here, but my sire told me about them. And, you know, not to be like them, but it basically means... You're not part of the camera line. You just do whatever. And, you know. <clears throat> I don't know. I just call from Annabelle saying, don't go to my haven. And I don't know about you, but I feel like people are making moves against us. You have some place to stay. I, I'll be able to find some place for the night. You sure? Yeah. The only thing I'm... The other thing I'm slightly worried about is whether or not I will be able to get my dog back. Oh. All I have left. Well, I'm sure he'll return to you. Does he? He is very attached. and Well, he can take care of himself, I'm sure. That's the problem, is I want to. I don't know what he's going to do when he gets hung, hungry enough. Mm. So well, let's hope people keep their children locked up at night. Uh, so, well. Yes, be careful. Just watch your back. I don't know if there's going to be something waiting for you at your place. I don't know what's going on. Like always. Damn it. Just when we make headway, something like this happens. Yes. This vexes me. (sighs) Well. We're going to have to. Tomorrow, we're going to have to see what we can do about this. Yes. I wish I. Fucking David. Why did he have to be so stupid? Wish I had a daylight agent right now. All right, I'll hopefully I'll talk, talk to, to you, you tomorrow. Then yes, 
And this, he's going to hang up and he's going to look around and just, okay, so I guess it's finally time to use that last, not that uh, plan B I always had backed up. And so he's going to find like a nice secluded place. And he's yes. going to. What what secluded place? What what type of place are you looking for? Talk to me. I guess I'm gonna try and go near the outskirts of town, just because he doesn't want to stay near the where he knows. Like he doesn't want to go near any like uh, densely populated areas in case they like send people out to looking for him. Do you have survival by chance? I do. All right. So give me a perception and survival difficulty seven. All right. I have three successes. So you are driving your Corolla and you realize like, okay, you are about like a mile from your, your Haven, which is in like the South side of Minneapolis. And you realize that like, it is about 15 minutes, 20 minutes to the outskirts of Minneapolis to where, you know, you're where you would feel more comfortable. And there's a moment where like you're on this highway and you're gripping your steering wheel and you're kind of like trying to speed over and you realize like, fuck, if I get stopped by a cop and you're like looking at the dash clock on your dashboard right now. And it's like five, 10 in the morning. And you're kind of like looking at it and you realize like you're trying to do the math in your head and you're just like thinking, why didn't I ever pay attention to like, you know, when the sun comes up, like, why do I know this more? And you're kind of like seeing at the edge of the horizon of your, of the skyline of Minneapolis on the left, while you are driving on this highway is like starting to turn purple. And it's like starting to like bring up this like little fear that is in you. It's almost like you're driving, you're speeding, you're going like 90 miles per hour, which is the fastest your car can go. You're trying to pass cars and the whole time you're looking out towards the where the sunrise is happening towards the towards the left and you you see an exit and you realize like the exit is for like a rest rest stop park public park area and you just as like one last ditch attempt you just like spin your wheel and you cut some car off who honks at you and you're going off on the exit and you're like speeding down the exit and you see like this rest stop you know like this building that has bathrooms for both male and females there and you're and you're coming around and you pull into the parking lot and you get out of the parking lot and you go and you look in like one of the bathrooms and you realize that like fuck fuck this isn't like secure enough this isn't secure enough like light still getting in here you run out of the male bathroom you run in the female one you're like smelling like you know how those restrooms aren't that clean and you're just getting hit with all the smell and you're looking in and you're seeing the graffiti like shit shit and you're like going around and you run around the like the the building this like rest stop building you're looking out like at, at the park trying to see if there's anything there and you see like this one shed that's like a hundred yards off and so like you fucking book to like this run across the grass and you're starting to feel like this itchiness on you like on the back of your neck like almost like a irritation and you're like desperately trying to get there and you actually like as you're running this hundred yards you hear like birds chirping and you realize that there's like that's a sound that you haven't like heard in a long time and like a long time and you're hearing it now but instead of it being like this warm feeling that it used to give you when you'd hear birds chirp when you're alive it's the it's the call of angels it's the flutter of the death's wings that are following you right now and as you get to the shed you 
go and you grab and you pop like two blood points and you just like pop this handle, pop the door open and you go into the shed and you see there's no windows in the shed, but you still, there's like light that could come from underneath it. And you're looking around and you see like this lawnmower and you see bags of grass seed. And you, then you see like these, the stack of old army blankets there. And there's a moment where you just grab the blankets and you like move the grass seed and you just like dive behind it and you just like wrap yourself up almost like you're like trying to just like not let any ounce of even your shoes be exposed and you're just taking these blankets and you're tucking them in and you just turn and you're praying and there's a second and everything's black and you lose consciousness hey what would you like to do i'll call up ellsworth oh you get an answer and you're like well man you've been up all night party what the fuck what's what's up i have Unfortunate news, and I am in need of your help. Well, what do you need, man? What do you need? Remember our talk when we talked about people who care about the city and those who don't? Yeah. Well, some of the people who don't and who are tied into those companies we talked about They've made their move. And unfortunately, my own place isn't currently safe. Do you mind if I would meet you at your, I guess, mansion? Um, I mean, I got a penthouse in the in the tower. You you want to come to the tower? I mean, you can crash at the tower. I, got, I can give you one of the guest suites if you like, man. Mm, I would prefer a personal <laughs> rendezvous if possible. Yeah, come on by. Come on by, and uh, we can talk, William. We can talk. Very well. I'll be there shortly. Like 15 minutes, you're getting there. We'll say it's about like an hour till, or 45 minutes till dawn. It's getting close. And you go into, you go up to the front of the Ellsworth Towers. And like I said before, it's like this tall, like it's regal. Like I said, it's like cut from the vein of the city. It's like a vein of its own. You know, it's almost like, a node now i'm not using node like any kind of like werewolf or whatever way but it's like something that definitely is part of the city and the city is part of it and you pull up in the front and there's this chauffeur person of course almost similar to yours but ellsworth the ellsworth towers the ellsworth tower you know and like he gets out and he's like um sir i was told i was expecting you uh, i could take the keys to your car if you'd like i sort of throw in the keys uh thank you and as you like walk forward and like someone when the there's like a valley person who like opens the glass door and you go into there and then there's another one and you go in and you come into this lobby. And as you come into the lobby, you see like on the left, there's like this like a man-made like indoor waterfall that kind of like is cascading down it. It's about like a story high and you see like plants and you see like, like on the floor, there's like this white tile that's on the floor that has like murals that come across it that look almost like a, I want to say like kind of like a Southwestern vibe. And you see like, there's this huge vase, these huge vases that are in the corner with plants coming out and there's like elevators and you can kind of see people are leaving. They're kind of like getting up and going to work kind of, you see them in suits and they're kind of like, like how you used to be at one time. And you're this figure that's like kind of standing there with like, suit pants and a rolled up like white dress shirt but like people are walking around you like they're trying to avoid you like you're, you're giving off this presence like of disturbance like and they just kind of like unknowingly like give you clearance as they go around you and you see like ellsworth is 
walking like behind this like from behind this walk up almost like a hotel concierge kind of desk thing but there was a door behind there and he walks out and he heads towards you and he's like has it leaves his hand out for you to shake it i sort of uh shake his hand and uh where are we currently you're in the lobby right now and he's like come with me yeah you want you want to crash in my places are you okay quite fine but unfortunately quite unsure in what's happening currently uh big events are that have been put into motion some years ago or now coming to fruition and unfortunately it seems currently not in my favor yeah you're you're looking like you're not looking okay william and you you know like with you being low on blood and humanity that's always kind of and then like the suck on edge a little bit he's like do you want me to have someone make breakfast i can have breakfast brought no up. it's fine it's just lack of sunlight okay um do you want to talk now we can go up there and I yes let's go up coffee. there all right yeah yeah come on come with me and he like kind of walks behind the desk and kind of like leading you to like motion you to follow and you see like when he goes to the door behind the desk you see there's like a private elevator there and he kind of like like swipes a card that he has from his wallet there and it opens up and he's like come on come on in man and he like walks in there and he hits the button you're starting to feel lethargic a little bit oh he's mm-hmm. doing that and he looks at you he's like man you're okay and he hits this button and you hear it like riding up you're, you're looking like uh you're looking like you had too much tonight man uh too little is what i would say but and then you, as, as like it goes up you see like the door open ding, and it opens up and then you kind of like are in this like area in front of like a like a nice like wooden door and you see him kind of like it has like a badge reader enter thing like a hotel room kind of then you like see him slide it in and then he opens up and he goes in there and you're just like walk into this area that's just like it's amazing his living room you know you see like this like huge like 70 inch tv that's on the wall and you see like has this surround sound system and there's like four black leather couches and you see like the floor has like this gray rug on there and you see like these expensive paintings that are on the wall and you see like there's like like plants that are in the corners and you see like there's end tables that look like they were like handcrafted rather than like produced you know and you see like and you're seeing that from the living room as he walks in he's like go ahead and sit down i'm gonna go make some coffee and you see him like i'm sick it's fine. I sort of put my hands on his shoulders. And, and William says, you've been a true friend to me, Artie. And it's unfortunate that it has to be this way. However, there's very few people that I can trust. And you're one of them. And William sort of reaches out and bites him. As you say, you're one of them. And you reach towards to bite him, you start hearing in your ears the waves crashing. And you see your hand reach out to him. And it's almost like you're getting hit by like, it's almost like you're underwater, for lack of a term. And I don't mean to correlate that to like the waves crashing, but you see your hand going forward. And there's a moment where you see him turn around and he looks at you and you have eye contact with him. And you just feel like you hear this loudness ringing in your ears. At first, it sounds like static, like a TV that was left on after the station closed. Just a And soon, like you start, when you hear that sound, it starts being replaced. You start hearing and you hear this insectile buzzing that like soon like cascades upon you. And he turns and looks at you and you see like his 
just his, you're just connected almost to his eyes and he turns and he looks at you and you see his lips are thin. You see like the warm veneer of concern offering breakfast saying you need coffee disappears. And there's a moment where your hand is out there and he looks at you and he says, you overstep William. And you're like, when he says you overstep, you're like, you realize you start feeling like something coming from out of your eyes and you feel like these blood, like blood starting to slowly like drip from your eyes as you hear this insectile buzzing that occurs. Your time was not yet to be, but you overreached William. And as you say that, you realize that like you're losing, you're losing where you're at. It's almost like you're losing where you stand. It's like a sense of nausea starts to overwhelm you. And you can't like, you're looking at him and you're like trying to formulate words and you're hearing that loud buzzing. But at the same time, oddly, it's like your sensory input is, has, has came from multiple sources. Like you're hearing the loud buzzing of these insects, but you're hearing that ocean and it's just cascading louder. And you see that as you close your eyes, you try to open, you feel like you're almost about to like vomit and you feel like blood is starting to trickle out of your mouth a little bit on the sides. You look at his, you look back up and you're trying to focus on him. You see his eyes are completely pitch black darkness, almost like that ocean. And you start like feeling this panic for a second and you close your eyes again and you open and you don't know where you're at. You're just in darkness yourself. You cannot see anything and you lose consciousness. Oh, hello again, folks. I'd like to tell you about the Facebook group we run called White Wolf and Onyx Path RPGs Gameplay and Media. Have you ever wished you could have an easy way to find gameplay videos and podcasts or just media in general that deals with your favorite White Wolf role-playing games? Or have you ever wished you could find a forum to share gameplay that you have recorded? One that won't be drowned out by random posts and discussions, so that your media could get the attention you deserve. The group is specifically run with the sole intent of being a one-stop shop for people to view or share media involving the games we all love. We take thorough steps to ensure the page does not become cluttered and is easy to traverse. The group is already immense and continuing to rapidly grow, with new media being shared every day. Stop on by. We hope to see you there.